Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The marketing team go for something that's really creative and attractive, but they lose sight of the fact that actually what they're trying to do is create some awareness or some understanding of the, of the product as well. You need a goal for any communication action that you take, yep. you know, whether it's posting something on Twitter or a blog post or a Super Bowl ad. Anything that you do needs to have a goal, but that goal should also roll up then into the larger marketing strategy goal. It's not something that's just ethereal and sexy and attractive and everything else it needs to be hard and fast of you know we're trying to get here in the next couple of years next five years therefore we need to start pushing out this message so it needs to be done within that so colin i teach the introductory marketing course to mba students and so right. a lot of these you know fresh face students come into their graduate program expecting certain things out of their marketing courses, especially those who haven't worked in marketing. You emphasize the word expecting. Rather than what they're going to get. Correct. Yeah, no, I mean, I aim to disappoint everyone that I teach. <laughs> so whatever you're expecting, you're not, you're not going to get that. <laughs> One of the ways that I disappoint my students is that they come in expecting that marketing is going to be a course about advertising and that that's all marketing right. is. And it's a really common misconception about the role of marketing within an organization. That said, we do cover advertising and communications more generally because regardless of what your strategy is, uh, at some point you need to interface with the customer and communicate to them in some way. So today we're going to talk about some of the, the key principles for making communications work well for your organization and, and what makes communications effective and then um, you know, when does it go wrong. Some of the stuff for me is, uh, and I spent a number of years working in uh, marketing, but some of when you look at advertising and you compare the advertising with what the customer experience is that the person actually gets, yep. it can be the difference between, and here's a phrase that Americans don't understand, the difference between chalk and cheese. Opposites, basically. Yeah, no, that sounds very British. <laughs> It is. We eat a lot of chalk and cheese. <laughs> well, I thought it was my role to make fun of British cuisine. You can't like preempt me on that. You obviously haven't tasted Lorraine's mm. cooking, have you? Mm, some chalk and cheese crumpets. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I think you're right. People sort of t tend to think of brand, marketing do brand, they do advertising. But actually what marketing do is 
for me, it's just fundamental across the whole business because they should be setting the marketplace and looking at what the opportunities are and then going, how do we address the marketplace? For me, marketing should be going, what channels should we be having to go out and get into that marketplace, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. One of the founders of Hewlett Packard had this great quote. He said, um, marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department. Which I thought was great. It should. It should infuse everything you do because it's really about understanding the customer and what they want. Uh, and that should guide all of your major business decisions. Yeah. So with that understanding that strategy comes first and that you should have this larger idea of who you're talking to and where you want to go and that your communication should set up a reasonable expectations for your customers. I want to Talk about another angle, another way that advertising or communication more generally can be made more effective. And that is the idea that you should have a goal for your communication. You should know what you're going to get about it. Now, this is another one of what I call idiot epiphanies. These super profound insights that when you say them, everybody goes, well, yeah, of course, of course you should. How could you possibly not? But the reality is so many firms don't. They'll just, you know, hand over their social media account to an intern and say, you know, just keep the feed active. They'll choose their advertising based on the best creative that they see. Um, You know, they'll design their website based on what looks cool or what's trendy and forget that they need to have a specific communication goal for anything they put out there, any interaction they have with their customer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that there is a lack of, I would call it a blinding flash of the bloody obvious. Right. But um, unfortunately, as I think it was Will Rogers said, common sense isn't that common, basically. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, you and I have both done this in the presence of each other when we have met with clients. When you stop and ask them sometimes these high level questions, things like, so what did you want to get out of this? Yeah. It can turn awkward really fast uh, because it's not the case that that people who are engaged in the day-to-day action of business always have the kind of the leisure to step back and say, right, what's what's the bigger picture? But it's so important. Funny enough, I had it yesterday. I was talking to a potential client who contacted me for to do some conference speaking. And I said to them, so what's the objective of the conference? <laughs> Because I was trying to think, well, you know, therefore, how can I help them meet right, that objective? Right. And they went, oh, well, it's, um, <laughs> we need to get people together. And, yeah. and I was thinking, okay, right. So how do we, you know, so and then you try to help them come up with, well, the objective of the conference could be this, it could be that, it could be this, depends what you want to do. And once you know that, you can create kind of a coherent, cohesive conference as opposed to just kind of a, smattering of talks on some general topic yeah but the interesting thing is they've chosen something in this case and because it is about communications Mm -hmm. obviously so they've chosen a topic i guess they didn't understand why they chose the topic and therefore taking it down to you know where are we and what are we what are we going to do but i think you're right i mean there was a big disparity between the brand and the advertising part, and I would call it sort of the more tactical marketing. So, you know, the production of brochures. And so even within a a marketing department, 
you can have a whole marketing department, but you know, you've got the brand and the advertising people going off and doing one thing and, and looking at some really creative stuff that wins awards and everything else. And you go, yeah, but what does that actually tell me that I need to do? Or that actually causes a poor experience because now my expectation based upon the advertising that this is going to be wonderful. And, and then when I turn up to the resort and it looked wonderful in all the shots and everything else, it's actually appalling or doesn't meet that expectation at all. Yeah, I mean, so this is kind of the second big idea of what we're going to talk about. So you need a goal for any communication action that you take, yep. you know, whether it's posting something on Twitter or a blog post or a Super Bowl ad. Anything that you do needs to have a goal, but that goal should also roll up then into the larger marketing strategy goal. Right. So you can think of this as kind of a, a hierarchy. Yeah. And it, you're right. I mean, it is so common. I don't want to use the name of the the firm because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But it, I met with an advertising agency once. I met with their digital folks and they were telling me about a campaign that they had run, which was wildly successful for them. And the goal of the campaign was to this is kind of early days of Facebook. It was to get people to like and follow the brand's Facebook page. And so they created this super cute campaign where, where if you um, started following the brand, then you had access to these like survey tools and you could have people like do all these fun surveys. All of that stuff was completely unrelated to the product and the brand. Right. So you could create surveys. I think one of the surveys was, you know, are you for or against underage wizards? You know, you can ask your friends. It was right. fun and it was cute, but it was not related at all to the brand. And so they were very successful in this action that they took. But that goal didn't roll up into the larger goal for the, the firm. So in this case, the goal was to get people to join like the Facebook page. Right, exactly. Which they were successful in doing. Right. But there was no particular reason to think that the people who followed the Facebook page were interested at all in the brand or in the service that the brand was providing. And so if they had been more targeted in their efforts, then they might have accrued customers that were actually interested in their message and might have converted into sales sure. instead of just kind of noise. All right, so... We should get specific in our goals, but I want to talk about three kind of general classes of goals, three common types of goals that companies might have to try to address when they're doing communications. So those are awareness, understanding, and attractiveness. Okay. So sometimes your goal is to just make people aware of your product. So especially if this is a new product, you're just introducing it to the market or to keep it top of mind. So you've been around for a while, but you just want people to remember who you are. Right. Another goal is to actually educate people on what it is that you do. So an understanding goal. And then finally, there's an attractiveness goal or a persuasion goal where you're trying to convince people that you are better than rival products or better than the next best opportunity. So I, I immediately started to think of when they soccer teams, other teams, have a company name on their shirt that's more awareness and it's not wrong there's nothing wrong with it but is it the right goal for your brand yeah in fact there was an advert that i particularly always liked uh, in england back in the day and i can remember it to this day it's uh, ron seal it does what it says on the can <laughs> and that was <laughs> that's a great tagline <laughs> 
Yeah, it was, you know. So it says this is good for wood that's outdoors. And guess what? It's good for wood that's outdoors. (laughs) The point was, it was basic. It was communicative. It said, if you want to do that, this is the thing to use. It wasn't some type of hidden thought process, etc., that looked really sexy and everything else. But you think, what the bloody hell is that trying to tell me? (laughs) And so, like part of the way that you determine which of these goals is the right one for your customer, it depends on on who that group of customers is and what they already know. And then, you know, exactly how complicated is your product? If it's very straightforward and easy to understand, it doesn't require a ton of education, right? You're dealing with customers who already know they want to seal wood so that it'll stand up to the elements outdoors. They're just looking for a solution to that problem. You don't need to spend a ton of time educating them on the ins and outs of it. Get right to that kind of awareness goal of making sure you're top of mind when they have that need, right? So the understanding, let me try and give you an example of this and see if I'm right or not. I feel like one of your students sitting in the class going, teacher, can I can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. And <laughs> just like my students, I will disappoint you with the answer <laughs> that I'm going to give you. It's kind of my brain. <laughs> so I'm thinking now, and the podcast wouldn't happen if we didn't mention Apple. <laughs> but I'm thinking now that I've seen a number of adverts recently where Apple are effectively explaining features of their product. Can you give me an example? What's one that you're thinking of? Yeah, just uh, using the facial recognition, mm-hmm. you know, to open the phone. And some of them, I can't recall them, which may tell me that the advertising isn't very good. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, are about some of the things around either privacy or some of the, the features around them, which I, I guess they're trying to, for me, it was like trying to give me the underlying message of, there's a lot in this phone and you should therefore buy it because there's a lot of functionality in it, basically, is the message I got. Yeah, I, I think that Apple has been good over the years of identifying new features and then creating very clever ads around those new features. I mean, we're going to talk about these three goals independently because they are different. The reality is often, especially for existing brands, they'll try to hit more than one if that's the need. So Apple, anytime Apple is advertising, there's this awareness angle, right? Because we want to keep it top of mind. We want to keep it fresh. But that's often not their only goal, especially with a, a new technology product. When there are new features, you do need to explain those to people. Let me give you an example of the opposite where it went badly. I, I teach a case on TiVo. And when TiVo came out, their initial ads were pretty much all awareness. And they were great ads. They were very, very funny. They were clever. But it would show people kind of doing things their own way. And the the voiceover was explaining that TiVo lets you do things your own way and you can watch TV your own way. But there was no explanation of what TiVo was. And so you didn't really understand the features. You didn't really understand the benefits. There was no education. And for a new, very complicated product, you know, we all use DVRs now and so we understand them. But it's hard to remember sometimes that was a really new and different way of watching TV. And it required education. And TiVo didn't provide it. And TiVo was around for a long time, but they were kind of a failure in the marketplace. By the time we started using TiVo as a verb, we were often TiVoing stuff not on a TiVo. It was usually yeah. on your cable DVR. Sure. So they didn't educate people fast enough. Yeah. What 
the product was. And as you said about, it's not just one of these things that advertising, because I was then thinking that the Apple ads tend to be quite attractive as well, yeah. don't they? Yeah. They tend to be very sort of engaging and what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, attractive actually is probably just a good word actually. Yeah, they do. They, I mean, and so attractiveness here, there's a persuasive component to it. Like the ads themselves are beautiful. Apple's very good at hiring creative agencies that create, you know, cinematic, compelling, fun ads. But they're also good at persuasion in terms of convincing people that, you know, this product is, you know, better than than the alternatives, that it's better designed, that it's better looking, that it's cooler. All of that would be yeah. an attractiveness goal. We need to make our product attractive to other people. Yeah. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. But it needs to all be done within the context of this is the marketing strategy, this is what we are trying to achieve. And again, I think the danger is, and having spent a lot of my life in corporate companies, the, the danger is, is because they're all product siloed. Yeah. I remember that we... So I used to work in telecommunications and I remember that part of the challenge was, and this was in the business field, we had something like five different products that would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it could be just the, what they call a lease line between two buildings. It could be like a managed network or a VPN. But the in- interesting part was that each of those products had a product marketing team. And each of those products would then be marketing themselves. And again, I used to go in to see clients and they would say, well, I don't know if I, you know, I've had the lease line guy come in and see me and he tells me I should buy that. I've had the managed services guy come in and see me and he tells me I should be doing that. But you then go, well, yeah, but what's the overall thrust? Are we trying to move people into managed services more? And therefore we should be, you know, advertising that more and putting more emphasis on that. The challenge becomes that the people within the lease line have still got their targets to achieve and still got a budget to spend and all those other wonderful things. Absolutely. And this idea that we're not coordinated and we've got brands fighting against each other, I mean, that that can muddle this message so much. The way that you should determine what the best goal for your product line is in, in your communication is what's impeding purchase. So why are people currently not buying from it? Is it because they don't know that we exist or because they've they've forgotten? They're thinking of somebody else at the time of purchase? Okay, then awareness is the big issue that needs to be addressed in our communications. Is it that they don't understand what it is that we're offering? Or is it that they get it and they just don't find it attractive or interesting? You should know what the problems are that you're trying to address as opposed to just making sure you've got something out on your your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed just to like kind of fill the space. Yeah. This is actually reminding me of another interesting part of this conversation is that it obviously then depends upon what your competition were doing. So back in the day, and I'm now going way back, when I first joined BT, it was the telecommunications market was opening up, okay? And obviously, British Telecom at that point were the incumbent supplier. So, you know, the only place you can go is down when you've got 100% of the market. (laughs) And that's when you chose to join, just to be clear. (laughs) I did. 
Yeah. I said, I can help you move downwards. <laughs> Let me help you manage the decline. I mean, that's a market. There's an opportunity. Yeah. Well, funny you should say that because that's the point. Everybody knew that if you've got 100%, the only place you can go is down. Yeah. But the issue then becomes how do you delay that decline? Mm-hmm. Okay. Forgetting this market for a moment, but sort of going a bit parallel, it's a bit like you've obviously heard of the phrase cash cows, you know, yep. you know yep. the product that making all the money. And I guess it's if I'm now thinking um, to the pharmaceutical industry, you know, a product that they've got that's on patent, you know, how do you maximize that and how do you then minimize the effect? In the telecoms market, we knew that the only place was down. And we knew that the competition wanted to compare mm-hmm. prices. So we made our pricing very complicated, which meant it was really difficult to compare apples with pears. Or chalk with cheese. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and whilst actually the feedback from customers was, oh, your pricing's really confusing. We were sort of sitting there going, yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> But that, again, is a authentic marketing strategy, which is to minimize the decline. You know you're going to go down, but you, you want to try to get as much revenue out of your declining product, no matter if it's in pharmaceutical or wherever else. And, you know, I think actually some of the pharmaceutical brands have done a good job in continuing the brand name after they've come off patent. So in England, I'm thinking particularly, I'm not sure if it's here, but uh, Nurofen. So Nurofen's an ibuprofen, but people still buy Nurofen because of the brand name rather than buy the equivalent ibuprofen. And it's the same bloody tablet, but, you know, because of the brand name, people think they're getting something slightly more. Yeah, a Prilosec, I think, is an example in the U.S. where that used to be a prescription heartburn medication, and then it went over the counter. And you can get generics of the same medication, but people still prefer the brand name, you know, again, in part because of all these associations that are built up in memory, which is another topic that we've talked about before. And the understanding part, and I'm now probably going to get these two brands wrong, but the different, well, in fact, I won't mention the names, but the two painkillers where... One's a leave, I think it is. I can't remember which way it is around. But, you know, in other words, this tablet lasts longer than that tablet. Yeah, yeah. that's a leave. Yeah. yeah. So again, so if you're introducing a new, um, kind of tying this back into the, the topic, if you're introducing a new analgesic. <laughs> oh, very clever. $3 word for pain reliever. If you're introducing a new analgesic onto the market, is it important that, you know, your customers just are aware that you exist? Like, oh, here's this new thing. Well, if people are dissatisfied with their current product, that may be enough. That may be a reason why. If people are happy with their current pain reliever, then awareness is not enough. And you also need to under educate them about how this is different and what, what it does. Sure. And then if they understand that difference, you need to then persuade them of why that difference matters and why this thing is better. And often you need to do all three. It can be hard to do all three at once. But, uh, you know, you need to identify where that opportunity is. And the danger is that, say, like something like attractiveness, the marketing team go for something that's really creative and attractive, but they lose sight of the fact that actually what they're trying to do is create some awareness or some understanding of the, of the product as well. An example of, of that would be where you 
you see an ad and it's really compelling and you really like whatever it is they're showing, but they do such a poor job of like, you know, showing the brand and repeating the name and telling people how and where they can buy it, that people are persuaded, but they're not aware. It happens. It's less common of a problem, but it does happen where you see an ad and you're like, oh man, that thing is great. And then you just, you don't know who you should buy it from or, or how you should act on it. Sure. Okay, so your usual question, what do we think that people should do? So what's our top tips for thinking about this stuff? So the, the podcast as a whole has several broad themes that we keep hitting over and over again. One is about understanding your customers and what they want and what drives their behavior. Another is about being deliberate about things and kind of being goal-directed and knowing what you as an organization want and how you're going to act on it. The advice for communications is both of those things, like know who you're communicating to and, and what they want and what's impeding sales to that group, and then be deliberative about how you're going to address it. You know, what is the problem that needs to be solved with this communication, this brochure, this sales strategy, this website, this commercial, and go after that specifically? Yeah, and the bit I would add would be that this has got to be done within the overall context of what your marketing strategy is. So, you know, where you're trying to head and therefore all those things need to be done in the benefit of the overall marketing strategy. And again, something we've talked about on many occasions, clearly the marketing strategy should be based around what is going to drive value for the organization. So it's not something that's just ethereal and sexy and attractive and, everything else it needs to be hard and fast of you know we're trying to get here in the next couple of years next five years therefore we need to start pushing out this message so it needs to be done within that and i think the other bit of advice i would give is just ask some basic questions mm-hmm. just go why are we doing this you know what's the objective you know what are we trying to achieve what's the outcome that we've got how does that integrate into the marketing strategy that you've got and it, it sometimes, as Ryan mentioned, it, it's sometimes like getting a hand grenade and throwing it in the middle of the room. Just ask the question, sit back and watch watch what happens. <laughs> because it's fascinating that too many organizations don't have a handle on those basic things. And it's a really easy way to look smart. It is. It is. If you can ask a question that's a good question that stumps the other people in the room, then you don't have to answer it. You just like lean back, put your hands behind your head, and people think you're the smart one. Yeah. The clever boss would say, and what do you think it is then? Yeah. Don't. <laughs> uh, the other piece of advice, don't work for clever bosses. <laughs> if you can avoid it. Good. All right. Well, thanks very much, everybody. Um, We hope this has been useful. If it has, we would really like you to do us a favor and go on and give us a a review on whichever platform you've downloaded this from. That really does help us in gaining awareness, making us look attractive, which is difficult, Mm -hmm. and in understanding. Uh, (laughs) We podcast for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks very much, everyone, and look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye.
This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.